0: On this episode of AvTalk, a Metro Liner and SR-22 collide over Denver, and everyone walks away safely. A boutique air flight loses a door, and Boeing fixes the latest issue with the 737 MAX. Hello, and welcome to episode 112 of AvTalk. I am Ian Petchnik here as always with Jason Rabinowitz. And hi, Ian. How are you? Hello, Jason. I am well. How are you, sir?
1: I'm good. I haven't been on a plane since I last came out to see you, and I'm, I'm itching to get back out again.
0: Yeah, I, once, once – what do they say? The first one's free? Uh, sure, or something. I don't know. Uh, so I am vaccine dose number two plus fourteen days today, and yet you're not on a plane right now, and have no plans to be anytime soon. Well, I have plans to be. I just have to. You have you know,
1: thoughts. I have not I, plans.
0: I have dreams. I have dreams, Jason. Yeah, but I'm feeling good. I, I'm I'm feeling very good about all of those things. I'm feeling good about the fact that things appear to be moving towards normal-ish in certain circumstances. And people are considering things like letting us Americans into the EU later this summer. That seems hey. like a <laughs> thing, maybe. Uh, it seems like it's it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, at some point. But I, I there are people that I know that are are going places and doing things, and it just makes me happy inside.
1: Going places and doing things, they're both fantastic. I could not agree more. I wish I were a bit more proactive and booked all sorts of flights to all sorts of funky places back when fares were basically free, but those days are seemingly behind us.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's planes are, planes are full-ish, and they are – the fares that is are are no longer free ish. Mostly, I mean, last
1: week I did book a round trip New York to to Tokyo in February twenty twenty two for two hundred and twenty five dollars. I give about a five to ten percent chance that Japan's actually open by then to visitors, but there are still deals out there if you're willing to give the airlines an interest free loan for a year.
0: Right, right. I mean, you you can still find a really good deal here and there, but the days of going, "Hmm, I will fly anywhere for under $100." Yeah, you know, I blew that uh, opportunity on my flight to Chicago. Yeah, well, <laughs> sucker. But I'm glad you did. Me too. So the past couple of weeks have not been good for aircraft staying together, but have been good for outcomes as far as those aircraft not staying completely together. So on the twelfth of May last week, there was an accident in or outside of Denver where two aircraft collided. One landed safely how I do not know. And the other used the Cirrus Airframe parachute system to uh, come to a, a safe land landing. You were going to call it a landing. Stop arrival on the ground. Yeah, arrival on the ground, uh, and every single person involved walked away. L- literally walked away. So I guess we'll back up. There was a a Metroliner on approach to Denver's Centennial Airport, and there was a Cirrus sr twenty two that was also approaching the airport and they were lining up or supposed to be lining up for parallel runways. And from the ADSB data that we have and listening to the air traffic control recordings, the Sirius SR-22 looks like it didn't do exactly what it was supposed to do and overshot the turn for for the parallel runway that the, the Metroliner was on and they they collided. The Metro liner lost I mean what maybe 10 to 15 feet of its upper fuselage. I mean basically from from the behind the wing to the front of the front of the empennage. It, it was basically just torn off the aircraft.
1: Yeah, it didn't look like it was too far off from the entire tail section being severed completely either.
0: It ended up looking like a flatbed trailer with a tail
1: Basically, yeah. It's kind of miraculous, but aircraft of that era and of that style they were built like tanks and it clearly used every bit of its tank-like nature to land while the Metroliner pilot didn't even know really what happened.
0: <laughs> That's the craziest part. He declares an emergency on short final and says I've lost an engine. And it it's important to note the Metroliner in this particular instance, a Key Lime Air Metroliner is a single pilot aircraft because it is a cargo aircraft, and so the pilot lands thinking that he's just had an engine failure, and then taxis to the ramp. And I think that the air, tra- air traffic controller goes, uh, "When you see what's happened, you're going to want the fires so that were rolling trucks in your direction."
1: Yeah, I was kind of amazed looking at the the ADSB data after the fact that it kept reporting data accurately. All the way after the, the landing and taxi and shutdown,
0: meanwhile, half the back of the plane is missing. I mean, the, the transponder was still attached, so all worked out well there. But I, I mean, what I was reading about the the metroliner is, is that all of the flight controls, the actual you know kind of the cables the and the cable actuators yeah, and, and the all cable.
1: the important bits that make the
0: bits on the back go in a direction. That, that's under the fuselage floor. So if this had been, you know, another way where the Sears had gone through the underside of the aircraft, or really looking at the pictures, if it had been five feet in either direction, either forward on the Metroliner or aft on the Metroliner, we would not be talking about this amazing safe landing. We would be talking about at least, you know, one airplane having crashed you know, near a Denver airport and maybe two depending on what happened with the Cirrus. I mean, this was close and and we'll put the the photo in the show notes or link to the photo in the show notes because, I mean, you look at these things and go, it was really, really lucky.
1: Yeah. It was also lucky that uh, where the Cirrus came down, it was in a rare kind of open area in, in that section of Denver there is a lot of, of populated built up area around where that accident happened and, and thankfully it came down just in the middle of a i guess a, a state park or, or something i'm not quite sure but yeah. everything about this was like knock on wood dumb luck that nobody was hurt
0: yeah there, so the the collision happened over the cherry creek state park and right around I mean, not right around, just around the entire park is housing. And then there, there's the airport on, on just to the south. And so there's this area just north of the airport where it, it's an open field, basically open, open area. And, and that's where the, the Sears came down and, and the CAPS did its job. I mean, these things are amazing. Yeah, we're
1: going to have to try to get someone from Cirrus on the show to yeah, talk we about are. that system. We are.
0: Just because you know, it, I I would love to dig into it.
1: Yeah, obviously the NTSB has dispatched investigators to take the lead on this accident and find out why this happened. I, I thought it was particularly interesting, and I, I learned this the hard way when trying to find the the live ATC audio. The two aircraft were actually on different tower frequencies, so even though they were coming in to land parallel. Runways at the same airport at the same time, they weren't hearing each other. Not that I, I think that would have had any bearing on the accident because the Sears overshot their turn for final. But I, I thought that was very interesting that these two runways are on different frequencies, and I don't know how common that is.
0: I know it's common at larger airports. You know, like f- for instance, I'm thinking of Amsterdam. They they have multiple frequencies depending on the, the landing runway. Even Chicago does North Tower. Center Tower. There, there is a. I still don't understand. Chicago built an air traffic control tower basically for one runway out of the 962 that are there, and it's. I don't even know if they have people in it all the time. But that's a whole other podcast segment on interesting regulations that require expensive construction projects. But I I think, and and this is something that is really interesting. Centennial is a busy airport. Very There's busy. a ton of traffic. So I wonder if that plays into it where – because the runways are, are – the size of the runways are quite different. Um, so you've got one runway that's, that's really geared towards larger aircraft and, and things like that, and then one for kind of smaller aircraft. Not that the Metroliner is a huge airplane, but it's you know, still bigger than a, a SR-22. So I, I, I don't know how much that plays into it. But it would be interesting to see like how many of these, you know, centennial sized airports have multiple frequencies.
1: Yeah. So thankfully, everyone okay there. Uh, NTSB will do its thing and, and <laughs> talk to everybody and get to the cause of this and hopefully make some recommendations on how to prevent this from ever happening
0: again. Indeed. If you want a a shameless plug for a previous episode, if you want to learn more about how an investigation like that works, and what recorders may or may not be available to the NTSB for these two particular aircraft, two episodes ago, episode 110, our conversation with Sean Payne is very illuminating in this regard. So uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, we highly suggest you do. Yeah,
1: spoiler alert, the uh, Cirrus probably has no recorder at all. Hmm. Hmm. You should take a listen if you haven't already.
0: Let's stick with things that aren't supposed to happen but ended well and go to Michigan, I believe. Where Jason J- Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I'm sorry. They both start. No. Oh, sorry. A flight to Michigan. My apologies mm-hmm. yeah, they're both Northwest hubs, so. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Jason. Tell me what I need to know. Uh, the door fell off <laughs> well, there's your problem right there,
1: yeah, so Boutique Airways runs some essential air service flights throughout the the Midwest, and this particular flight was from Minneapolis, not Detroit, to Ironwood, Michigan, a couple of weeks ago, and it's a bit of an odd configuration on this aircraft where it is a passenger aircraft, but it can also be freight and there's a big cargo door on the uh, the left side behind the wing and it fell off. It completely separated from the aircraft during the, the takeoff roll. They didn't get too fast. The, the article quotes that they were doing about 100 miles an hour, but I think the ADSB data shows they were only doing about 30-ish knots, not making any excuses. But as they were on the takeoff roll, the door just separated from the aircraft, uh, directly next to passengers, and, and someone's bag was actually sucked out. But thankfully, they stepped on the brakes and stopped the aircraft and returned to a hard stand. Not good. But thankfully, again, dumb luck, this happened on the takeoff roll at low speeds instead of you know 30,000 feet, which would have been
0: amazingly terrifying. Yeah, so that shouldn't happen. I, I no. think I'm, I'm fairly certain it shouldn't happen.
1: It's so not supposed to happen. In fact, that the pilots were fired by boutique airlines for not completing pre-flight checklists, which is highly recommend that everyone do before a departure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. So, I... uh, not not great. The the airline took swift action to to. Let these pilots go, apparently, they didn't complete the pre-flight checklist, and I'm sure one of those items were make sure door is locked and secured. They didn't, and they put their passengers in harm's way, and they were just dumb luck again that nobody was hurt.
0: yeah, re- I mean, really good that this happened happened on the ground. I, I like the the line in the article uh, The plane returned to the gate. The door was found nearby. Mm, and the bag. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. The, the bag. The one of the passengers' uh, bags was taken away with the door, but it ended well. The airline certainly seems to be taking this very seriously. They've made some swift action, and they met with uh, all of the passengers and, and the airport commission rather quickly. So good on them for for taking this for taking this seriously and and not um, and I, I guess not trying to pass it off as anything other than. Than at what it is. We have now come to the portion of the program where we provide our bi-weekly 737 MAX update.
1: I hope uh, one day we won't have to provide this update because the airplane will just be happily flying passengers from LaGuardia to Myrtle Beach. We
0: had a couple episodes where we didn't have to talk about it in there yeah. somewhere. But this time around, it's all good news. Well, mostly good news. 98% good news. So, Boeing has resumed the deliveries of the 737 MAX today, uh, the 19th of May. That is the first delivery in, I think, just about a month. Southwest, of course, taking the first one home as all of the electrical issues, the fix for the electrical issues on the aircraft being put into place. Basically, what happened was Boeing's changed the manufacturing process. They went from painting something and then drilling holes to drilling holes and then painting something. But they were using the, the metal that was part of the, the chassis as a grounding thing. So once you, you paint it over it, you reduce the, the, the ability of the current to travel under it and the grounding is, is broken. So, now they're adding some some cabling and and some wires and they'll be back to to grounding the electronics as necessary.
1: Grounding the aircraft so the aircraft can be ungrounded. And speaking of which, Reuters reports that United has completed repairs on 17 of its MAX while American has completed repairs on 14 of its 18 grounded MAX. So, they are making… Pretty swift progress on getting these aircraft back in the air, and they're going to need every every one of these back, given the demand for domestic travel right now.
0: Yeah, other airlines that have put these either back into service or at least fixed them enough to begin test flights. Blue Air put theirs back into service. They were actually first to to put their seven three seven Max back into service after the electrical issues, and Belavia, which took their first seven three seven Max. The day before Boeing announced the discovery of this issue, they conducted some test flights today. So should be should be soon. The two percent not great news as far as the Max is concerned is that Ryanair is now not confident that they will take their first seven three seven Max before the summer high season. So a little bit. I'm sure that they are very disappointed. And I'm sure that whoever has to answer the phone when Ryanair calls a- at Boeing is very tired of answering that phone.
1: Yeah. Well, at least it seems like Europe won't have a summer high season, maybe, possibly, but not not great. Uh, I'm sure Ryanair would rather have those aircraft than not have those aircraft.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, they, they certainly – well, it, especially since it was – we're taking delivery in within two weeks. We're taking delivery any day now. We've got people standing by to fly the planes home. Yeah, quite a change for Ryanair, who when
1: they take deliveries of seven hundred and thirty sevens, usually does in armada style, taking five or six of them at once.
0: That's true. That's true. They they like to they like to bunch up. well this time they'll they'll have no shortage to take with them. Hopefully, no. Um, but they'll do that. Uh, what do you say we, we take a quick break, do some housekeeping, and then come back and run through some good news, some bad news, and some, some okay news, I
1: guess. That covers
0: all of the different types of news. There's news. We'll be back with some housekeeping right after this. Welcome back. To get some housekeeping out of the way, we've got some exciting news. At at least Jason is excited about it. and By Jason is excited about it, I mean Jason could probably care less, but I'm excited about it. Couldn't care less. There you go. We have decided to make this a weekly podcast. We really like doing the podcast. We really like talking about aviation and talking with people in the aviation industry. And so what we've decided to do is make it a weekly podcast so that each episode will, will likely be a little shorter. So we're not approaching the, the hour and change mark all the time. But we, we will have kind of double the number of episodes and double the number of chances to talk with some really great folks in the industry, talk with some folks outside of the industry, perhaps or outside of the the commercial aviation industry for for a change and then you know be a little bit more topical when it, when it comes to the news but not uh not so topical that this becomes just kind of a a news bulletin podcast uh certainly not that uh, if you have thoughts uh feelings about us moving to a weekly format, please email us, podcast at fr24.com. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts and, and some things that you would like to hear uh, as part of that. We've also got a a new way to to watch, to read, and listen to the podcast. We have started doing a, a visual version of the podcast. And, and by that, I mean... It has this transcript or closed captioning, subtitles, uh, whatever you want to, to call it, that goes along with the audio in a neat little format. I think it's nice, and I hope that that some people find that helpful. It's on YouTube, the Flight Radar 24 YouTube channel, or you can also go and watch those on Facebook if that is where you like to... Uh, to do things. We will continue to put out the podcast in audio-only format wherever your podcasts are found. So so please feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a review or rating as you see fit. We much appreciate it. And now, back to what's happening. Well, that's exciting. Jason? Yeah? Did you book your uh, flights no. to London on JetBlue? I didn't because the
1: UK is not open yet, so no. So this is one of those aspirational things. Yeah, sure. I'll elaborate on that grunt. Okay, Uh, please. After teasing and talking about launching flights to London for, oh, I don't know, years, years and years now, JetBlue has finally, finally, finally announced and put for sale its first round of flights to London, except it is only out of New York JFK. It is only once a day each to Heathrow and Gatwick, and the flight times are not great if you're a Heathrow fan, but they are announced. They're for sale. There's some promotional sales. I'm a little disappointed that JetBlue has decided to do – Round trip pricing with a Saturday night stay, like a traditional airline, rather than keeping its usual fare charging, I guess. I don't know what you would call it, of one way pricing. But it is finally real. There's finally some more competition transatlantic. If, if business class flying is your thing, there are some good deals. And I guess the economy looks nice too. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm for nice things. And I enjoy transatlantic travel. Uh, that said, I I'm just glad that we don't have to hear about it anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, we <laughs> will hear about it now. They didn't launch Boston flights, and they won't until summer 2022. So that's about a year's delay from what we all expected. And the flights at a JFK, simply put, the the flight times are are bad. It's a 10:10 10, 10 p.m. departure from JFK. Uh, getting in ten ten a.m. to Heathrow, which means if you're a business traveler, that that day is kind of shot for you. There, there's no early morning arrival, and then oddly, the aircraft sits around for like eight hours at Heathrow doing nothing before returning on, on a late six p.m. or six thirty p.m. flight back to JFK. We we had always heard rumors that the the slots JetBlue got at Heathrow were bad, but I don't think anyone thought they were quite this bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I saw somebody trying to to make the argument that it was actually good, that the timings were actually good. How the you Gatwick
1: could... flights are, are well-timed, but Gatwick is right. not the business airport.
0: Nowadays, who's to say what's what?
1: That's true. There is no business travel, so who cares where, where you end up? <laughs> it
0: doesn't matter.
1: It, it is only one flight a day each way to each airport. The Heathrow flights from JFK start August 11th. The Gatwick flights start later in September, I believe. Uh, Again, UK is not open and travel internationally is still a huge pain in the ass. So You need to do all sorts of COVID testing there and on the way back. Hopefully, that's not a thing by then if you're vaccinated. But I, I'm just not ready for that level of annoyance on international travel yet, especially for a for, a, for an inaugural flight. I, I just don't need that hassle. I, I can, if I really wanted to fly the new Mint product, I could do that domestically.
0: There you go. So we talked about this airline when it was first announced that it would be a thing, and then kind of forgot about it. But now they've actually announced. Their root network, and they're kind of starting with a with a, a, a healthy network. Play Airlines is the successor to Wow in so very many ways, but mostly because it's started by a bunch of former Wow executives. And also, the planes are still purple. Are they, or they red purple, or are they purple. pink? Here? They're, they're, close. Yeah, t- it, they're they're in a they're in a shade a red adjacent shade. But starting from from Iceland, we're going to see London Stansted. We'll see, let's see, Tenerife, Alicante, Barcelona, and Berlin, Paris, and Copenhagen eventually. So that'll be interesting to see how they how they get going and what happens, whether or not things go well for them. Uh, given gestures wildly, you know, kind of the the climate they're launching into but it it'll, you know I'm I'm interested to to see how they do
1: yeah and interestingly they they are not starting operations or, or when they do theoretically start they are not starting with x-wow air aircraft cuz those the corpse of wow was already divvied up and, and sent out to plenty of other airlines i think most of the fleet actually went to air canada these 321 NEOs are actually coming from the corpse of Interjet in Mexico. So the the circle of life of LCC aircraft continues.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, I, I forget which which desert all of the Interjet aircraft are parked in at the moment. But if you had like an overhead picture, you would just see it would be like a montage of one disappearing, one disappearing, one disappearing because they're being just divvied up
1: yeah we, we never really talked about the the death of Interjet, but that was a slow, painful death where it was just kind of slowly drawn down the fleet over the months until they only had the super jets left that they didn't even have the parts off the fly, and then one day it's just like Thanos snapped and the airline's gone
0: yeah we, we should we should think about diving into to kind of the airlines that that we lost during the pandemic and, and how some of them were similar and how some of them were just very specific to the aircraft that they had and the position they were in before. But yeah, we yeah we didn't – I guess we never really talked about Interjet.
1: No. Well, it was kind of like Avianca Brazil, where it was just so painful and slow to watch the demise over years that it, it happened so slowly that we never talked about it until they were gone and there was nothing left to talk about.
0: There, There you go. An airline that I uh, – Speaking amazed, of which. Yeah, I, they've held on this long. I mean, they, they just – just a little bit longer. Uh, poor Mr. Raccoon. Mr. Porter. His name is Mr. Mr. Porter. Mr. Porter. My apologies.
1: Mr. Porter apologies. is a raccoon. He is my my favorite airline mascot. He is a, a savvy traveling raccoon who is the, the identity of Porter Airlines who was – is a Airlines specializing in, in trans border Canada US flights, which is really difficult to do when you can't go between the US and Canada. They have now pushed back yet again to July 30th for a resumption of service, but that hinges on the US Canada border being open. And that keeps getting pushed back and back and back and back. And poor Porter, really one of the few airlines in the entire world that shut down entirely. And just still hasn't come back at all.
0: Yeah, they, they have they have no market right now.
1: No, I mean, they, they, they did some intra Canada flying, but that was really just for for connections moving on to flights to the U.S. And that business model doesn't work when you can't fly between the U.S. and Canada, or or most people can't at least.
0: I guess the the worst thing about all of this is I never heard anyone have a bad experience. No, I, I had never
1: flown Porter. Porter, and at this rate, it kind of feels like I never will. But they were just kind of there. They had some partnerships with, with other major airlines. I think they had a partnership with JetBlue, since JetBlue doesn't fly to Canada. They just kind of existed and did their thing on the uh, a fully Dash 8 airline. They only had one aircraft type, and that was it. And They flew to Toronto City, not Toronto Pearson. Pearson, thank you they had that going for them but uh, they were never allowed to expand to jet aircraft because of stupid stupid reasons in toronto but now it kind of feels like they'll never fly anything
0: again i i really hope that they get back in the air i, I really do yeah fingers crossed but i'm crossing good. everything over here yeah so the faa has now issued a new airworthiness directive for all the Boeing Company Model 737-300, 400, and 500 series airplanes. The airworthiness directive was prompted by a flap synchro wire failure that may go undetected by the autothrottle computer. If this is starting to sound like this is all a result of the Sriwijaya air crash, you are not wrong. That said... The FAA says, at this time, the preliminary data of the ongoing accident investigation shows that it is highly unlikely that the accident resulted from the latent failure of the flap synchro wire. So, As part of the investigation, they found out that this could be a thing, but it is, to quote the FAA, highly unlikely that the accident resulted from this thing. Okay. But it's a thing and you want to fix it. so Basically, keep testing your aircraft, your 737, 300, 400, and 500s for a flap synchro wire failure, and all will be well. Okay. I just, I'm just in case anyone's listening and was concerned about their 737, 3, 4, or 500. Well, uh, I guess this is just the not
1: kind of thing that happens with older aircraft. I wouldn't say this is a flaw of any sort. It's just – uh, this isn't the max. This isn't even the NG. This is the classic. So things get old. Things need to be replaced.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, it's interesting that it was kind of found out because of this crash. But it's very interesting to me that they're, they're saying it's highly unlikely that the accident resulted from this. So it's – obviously, we'll have to wait until the Investigation is concluded and the report is out, but that'll be uh, that'll be something interesting to to look forward to. So let's close with uh, two pieces of interesting news, or, or two piece, one piece of good news, one piece of interesting news. One piece of good news was that over the weekend, Air New Zealand did their annual uh, coral care flight, and and thankfully we were. Uh, able to be a small part of that and get to kind of showcase the the drawing the choral care organization in New Zealand takes either children with disabilities se- severe disabilities or terminal illnesses and does really great things for them and so every year in New Zealand as kind of part of that gets together with you know kids and, and takes them on. A flight of their life, and a few years ago they drew a heart, and this year they ended up drawing a uh, a kiwi, and did uh, a, a pretty nice job. I, ha- I have to say,
1: it was quite good. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you look at these things, you have to squint to kind of see what the the intent of the
0: drawing was, but this time it was spot on. Yeah, I, I thought they did a, a really nice job. They they took them up in the it's the all black livery, but it's not the all blacks livery. So it has nothing to do with the rugby team. It's just a black livery. They are very different according to folks in New Zealand because I made that mistake last week and I was yelled at unbelievable. In no uncertain terms. Like so now, now I know a lot about the shape and styling of the feather on the aircraft. Uh, Interesting. So that's important.
1: And everybody wins. I, I'm generally against these sightseeing flights where, where people pay money to go on a flight to nowhere but this is most certainly not that and also the airline has to fly these aircraft every now and again to keep them fit and, and ready to fly so it seems like a perfect opportunity to do that kind of thing doesn't it
0: yeah i mean th- this is i mean they air new zealand's been doing this for for a while and and they also do like other support things that not always taking these kids on a plane but this is i mean for some of these kids it's it's the only time they get a chance to fly because they've got special requirements to be able to do things out in public or they need a certain environment and and flying on a normal commercial flight is just not in the cards for them so when they've got kind of these special days and special flights and things like that it's really cool that they they get to go and do that and who knows what they'll end up drawing next year because I I mean, we've got a heart. We've got a kiwi. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's next. Maybe maybe fly an out, flying outline of the entire country. That would be. Cool. I was just thinking that. Man. So speaking of me getting yelled at, last week, Embraer publicized that it had received orders for, I, I believe, it's 17 aircraft: nine for Horizon and eight for SkyWest. For the Alaska Airlines fleet. And I made a crack that Alaska continues to grow its proudly all Boeing fleet. And some folks on Twitter took issue with this because apparently I was being sarcastic about that. And Alaska doesn't have an all Boeing fleet. No. But Jason, the airplanes say proudly all Boeing fleet. Except for the
1: Bombardiers and the Airbus and the Embraers.
0: Yeah, then that's true. <laughs> so one individual took issue with the fact that I was making a sarcastic comment and said, oh, but the the Airbus are almost all gone. And the E-175s fly for Horizon Air. And my response was, "Well, almost doesn't count, especially since they're keeping the A three twenty one Neo's around for quite some time still." And who owns Horizon Air? Mm, Alaska Airlines Group, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Alaska Airlines Group.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like how people say they'll post a picture of an an Envoy Air aircraft and say that's not American, that's Envoy Air. Well, American wholly owns. Envoy Air, so technically they own that aircraft. The same thing is going on at Alaska, but this is nothing new. They, they're still taking their Maxes with that stupid paint up front that says proudly "All Boeing," even though it cannot be any farther from the truth now than it ever was.
0: So I'm just saying, and a lawyer jumped in and said, "Well, they're they're legally different." And I said, "If this was a legal definition." You know, if this is a legal case, then then maybe we could have that discussion. But it's not. I'm looking at the plane and I'm going. Yeah, it says Alaska Airlines on it, and they own the company, and it's a different kind of plane. So I I just think it's weird that they continue to. I, 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 don't, I don't see don't value in that. No, I don't, don't see why it. people are
1: willing to die uh, uh, on this sword. <laughs> why do you care about this? All I see is that Alaska has aircraft that are most definitely not Boeing. Yet they continue to paint on their aircraft proudly all Boeing, except for the non Boeing aircraft where they don't paint proudly all Boeing. Who are they trying to fool with this?
0: I've never been able to grasp this. But what I'm saying is, I'm taking it a step even beyond that. It's like, I don't see the value in painting proudly all Boeing on my aircraft anymore.
1: Well, yeah, that and it's also not exactly a point to be proud
0: of recently. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like setting setting aside the factual inaccuracies here, I don't understand the value of continuing to do that if I'm Alaska Airlines. Especially
1: as Boeing continues to remove any part of itself from the Seattle area where, where Alaska Airlines is headquarters, oddly enough. There doesn't need to be an attachment to Boeing because Boeing doesn't
0: have an attachment to Seattle anymore or it won't in the near future. It won't, you know, as as soon as it can possibly not, I, I guess is the is the way to, to phrase that. But yeah, it was a weird thing, but it was one of those things where it, it's one of those things where you either have an opinion, like myself, or you have an opinion. And I just never understood that but I'll leave it there. and and If you have an opinion, please email us at podcast at fr24.com and let us know your opinion. I will read all of these emails that you send in and then proceed to tell you in the next episode either why you are right, because you agree with me, or why you are wrong, because you don't no we'll, we'll go through them don't track uh, and, on that that's exactly correct if, if we but what I'm saying is if we if there's an argument to be made and to tell me that why I'm wrong and it's a convincing one because heaven knows I'm wrong a lot I'm happy to be to be put in my place and now because we're a weekly show I can be put in my place much more quickly is that a positive thing bright side man bright side okay 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 this has been episode 112 of avtalk i am ian Pechnik here as always with
1: jason rabinowitz thanks for listening
0: and see you next week